You are listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chuck Williams. Joining me in Nebraska is Brendan Williams. Brendan, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. Thanks for keeping that high energy after you've just been on the road for like nine hours. Hey, you know, I've got to have stamina. I took about 12 five-hour energy just kidding. I only had, I had two Red Bulls for nine hours. That's forgivable on a road It's trip. within legal limits. <laughs> right, Red absolutely. Bull. And um, and joining us as per usual in Arlington, Texas, is the great Matthew Hodges. Matt, how's it going, man? Hold on, let me check. Okay, I got my 20-sided die here. 19. Yeah, I'm doing real good. Ooh, that's nice. re- that's pretty good. Yeah. Nice, nice, <laughs> excellent. Did you take the class feature where if you roll a 19, it's it's a critical? You may be having a critically good time. Man, you must have a real good line of sight on positivity yeah. right now. That's, so. that's <laughs> 2x the fun. Excellent, excellent. So what do we got on the slate this week, guys? Well, unfortunately, the racist murders don't stop. Oh, and of so, course. you know, we thought last week was was enough but you know they just the hits just keep on coming oh yeah so we've got to talk through that and (laughs) violence all over congressman's choke slam all kinds of fun stuff yeah enough violence for the whole family (laughs) something that that is actually fun though is what matt was doing yeah yeah totally so uh i i kind of tuned the news out this weekend which was nice i was out at the uh board game geek convention uh here in dfw and talked to some really good folks and played some great games and I'm going to kind of talk about that for a little while, play some good audio I got. And yes. Chuck, you were pretty unplugged from the news, too. Yeah, that's right. You know, I had to detach a little bit. I went up to Denver, Colorado to go to a soccer game and go up to Estes Park and check out the Rocky Mountain National Park. So, nice. you know, I was able to get mile high and um, <laughs> I wasn't royalty, but I was definitely feeling like his highness. So. <laughs> <laughs> All this and more, so let's just jump right in. Matt, are we going to go a week without there being a crazy stabbing or knife attack? No. That's high, high profile? No. No, I don't think so. I think that's just the, I think that's the new normal. I saw that Trump finally tweeted something out on the official at POTUS account. It's one of those things where, like, if you have to tell someone to make a statement, it's like their statement just has a little bit less weight. Right. Like, if your wife right. has to tell you, like, you should be apologizing right now. Yeah. It's It doesn't count, actually. Not so genuine. Finally. I think the more it happens, the more it's going to happen, because you're going to see people, you know, these guys who have self-radicalized are encouraged by seeing other people do that kind of shit too you saw the picture of the guy that did this up in portland right like one side of his face literally looks like he had gotten it kicked in yeah i know the guy was a a well-known white supremacist and attended those marches for free speech and whatnot thankfully one time he like posted something online that was like i think bernie's better than hillary so all those people we're saying like, well, he's not a Trump supporter. He's really more of a Bernie supporter. You know how racist those guys are. Oh, well, absolutely. On Baked Alaska's Twitter, he oh. was showing pictures of his of this kid's profile. He said that he voted for Bernie. So, well, there you have right, it. Right in the open primary, or whatever. It's funny because even late in the election, Trump was tweeting like, "Bernie was robbed," you know, right. like, treated horribly mm-hmm. by the DNC. 
So to just to just say like, oh, anybody who ever posted anything positive about Bernie is divorced of tr- of Trump or Trumpism is yeah. just completely ridiculous. Right. It's been amazing watching you know like liberal Twitter go after this guy or actually go after Bernie Sanders and and Bernie supporters with that little with that little tidbit you know like they'd rather use it as a way to continue to defend Hillary Clinton and attack Bernie Sanders than to draw the much more obvious and rational conclusion that you know this is a this is a Trumpism problem right and like they're trying to find a correlation between focusing on economic inequality and that leaving out the conversation of blacks, therefore making it racist or bad towards people of color, which is obviously bullshit. There's still a reasonable argument to be made that the the left can't simply focus on economic justice. It has to include social justice and, you know, what other people kind of disparagingly refer to as identity politics, which is a dumb phrase anyway, because all politics is identity politics. But what they mean by that is, you know, any identity that's not basically you know white men that has to be included as part of a a progressive platform as well that doesn't mean that bernie's racist uh, or that people who supported bernie sanders are racist that his his message of economic populism and social democracy was something that resonated more with people with those people and you know he couldn't get the voters out so you know, it's it should be a lesson to them to not be quite so myopic, but it doesn't mean that they're racist. That was just the narrative that they gravitated toward. Well, and I think this most recent attack, because, you know, we've seen attacks in the past where, I mean, we've talked about them on previous shows about a, a lot of black dudes just getting stabbed by racists yeah. <laughs> uh, with various knives and swords of all, of all types. But mm-hmm. in this instance, the two victims were actually white people, two mm-hmm. white dudes who had stood up to a racist guy who was yelling at a, some Muslim women on like a, the the subway or whatever, right. or the train or the whatever train. in Portland. <laughs> and so these two white dudes stood up and said like, hey, you, you know, you got to stop that. And he lashed out at those two guys. Mm-hmm. So now that it's impacted some white people, you know, you could bring more people on board now that it's impacted <laughs> white people. We always talk about it's as much up to white people because a lot of the racism towards people of color isn't going to happen around people of color. It's going to be the jokes that are told, you know, in certain circles where we may not be privy to, but in a situation, mm-hmm. so we're always like, you know, you've got to be able to stand up when other white people are acting crazy and say, Hey, I don't tolerate or any race for that matter, regardless of what race you are. These people are actually doing that and doing the thing that, people encourage you to do and then they were killed so i mean that's gonna make people think twice about it in the future yeah although always you know never act on something if you don't feel safe yourself yeah in that situation so well and that's you know these attacks are terrorism and the fact that if it's a muslim person regardless of what they do that's terrorism right if a muslim person like robs a store they're like that's terrorism right there yeah any murders that involve any Muslim people is terrorism. Oh, well, but... there was that, that thing that happened in Times Square a couple of weeks ago where, you know, a vehicle went out of control and everybody, mm-hmm. I mean, Fox immediately, you know, launched onto, you know, is this like, you know, the attacks in the, the marketplaces over in Europe? And it turns out it was just a drunk driver, but they were running this, you know, Muslim terrorist panic thing 
um, until that information came out, and then they kind of slowly walked it back or just kind of pretended like they never did that. But yeah, when these other events happen, no one will ever say terrorism. They won't say terrorism about Dylan Roof shooting up a black church. You know, they won't say terrorism when it's other racists stabbing people on a train who said stop being racist. Right. But that is terrorism because the part of the goal of this attack is to next time you see someone going on a racist rant on a train, maybe you say like, well, I would have stood up. But like last time Mm -hmm. I heard those dudes got murdered for standing up to him. So maybe it's just like (laughs) you just go on your racist rant. Yeah. We'll just stay out of your way. We don't want to get to to get murdered. Right. That is part of terrorism, right? It's instilling the fear into people to say, I should stand up to this. I want to stand up to this, but I'm afraid to stand up to this because who knows what these crazy racists are going to do when they're out here murdering people. And that's the exact goal of terrorism is to Mm -hmm. make people afraid and to make people give up, you know, their rights and their freedoms and their voice so that racists will have a louder voice and anti-racists will have no voice because they're afraid of getting murdered by racists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whether that's a concerted effort between a group of people or just individuals that are thinking along the same wavelength, I mean, it's terrorism that you need to be able to do something about. A lot of times people just think, well, this is a lone wolf guy, so it's not like he's part of some greater agenda. Well, there's a lot of one lone wolves that kind of add up into the same ideologically consistent, you know, movement. So Right, and you know... It's striking to me that this happened right after what right after we recorded last week this event happened in Montana in the congressional election where the Republican candidate was getting questioned by a reporter for the Guardian UK newspaper mm-hmm. and said like hey the CBO score just came out for the healthcare bill uh you know what's your what's your position on it and the guy was like, I need to talk to you later. And he was like, no, seriously, what, what's your position on it? Well, because the guy, because uh, the thing was, the the guy who was running, uh, Greg Gianforte, had said that he wasn't going to make up his mind about Trump care until the CBO score came right. out. Right. You know, already right. showing he's more reasonable than a lot of Republicans in Congress. But <laughs> then he, he disproved that reasonableness by <laughs> literally choke slamming this reporter uh, and taking him to the ground and then just screaming, like, get the hell out of here. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sick and tired of this. And immediately you see all kinds of people popping up saying, like, you know, hey, if it's a liberal reporter, maybe he just got what's coming to him, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you That's know, what he, he gets for being so annoying. Right. He's just out there practicing gotcha journalism. You know, he, he was goading this guy into attacking him to make the guy look bad. You know, things like that. Just so out of the realm of fact to just, you know, just be saying like there's just must be some way that his actions can be justified so that he doesn't have to be held accountable. And I have to change my mind about <laughs> right. supporting this type of person. Yeah. Um, and that's the exact same thing that these other you know, racist people are doing is saying, yeah, if you're going to stand up and, and defend Muslims, then you, you deserve to die. Right. It doesn't matter that you're white people. Um, right. If you're white people that are defending Muslims, you deserve to die just as much as the Muslims do in the view of the, the horrible you know, white supremacist murderer. Right. It's, it's striking to me how people can get twisted to just to thinking that that's somehow justified you know, in, in any way. I was going to make a joke about, you know, can you imagine the outcry on the right if it had been a, like a Democratic congressman who had assaulted, oh, you know, absolutely. a Fox News reporter or something, but then I got thinking about it and it's like, I, I don't know if there's a Democratic congressman who would do that. Um, 
Not not because they're better than that. I just think they're all kind of wimpy. Well, apparently there is some example that people were referencing where there was some some race in like 2008 or something where a guy had kind of like roughed up some college reporter, but he's like a college Republican activist or whatever who mm. was getting in some dude's face and he kind of like grabbed him and pushed him. <laughs> right. Not as much as like choke slamming him to the ground or whatever. Right, breaking his glasses. Right. <laughs> So, you know, they'll find any example they can to just say, like, well, it's both sides. Both sides are just beating up reporters. It's like, mm, maybe how about neither side should really be beating up reporters? I don't care who's doing it. Well, Matt, <laughs> and didn't one of the elected officials out in your state of Texas point a gun and make a joke about it being journalists or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a joke. He went Ooh. to the shooting range and yeah. then showed his target. And he was like, I was pretending it was journalists or whatever. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how my aim is so good. Right. That was Cornyn, right? As uh, podcasters, I think we all need to get in the gym and just be ready, get trained, be in <laughs> reporter right. shape. You know, so. <laughs> well, one of the craziest things that I think is that imagine this congressman literally tackled this guy, you know, took him to the ground and, you know, reportedly started punching him while he was on the ground. When Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman got into a tussle, George Zimmerman was acquitted of murdering a person that did that to him, basically, right? Right. He's saying, Trayvon Martin came at me, he took me to the ground, and he started punching me. I had to defend myself. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. So, theoretically, if this journalist straight up murdered this guy, he could just be like, oh, hey. He attacked uh, me. Self-defense, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what these... these he wouldn't get away with it, right? though. That's Even with the people... ju- With witnesses there. Right. I mean, I don't but, know. Right. I mean, just imagine if this was, instead of a reporter and a congressman, if it was, like, a black person and a cop. Right. right, a cop's trying to talk to a black person, and he takes him to the ground. That cop, if he murders that guy, is going to just say, "Well, that was totally justified in self-defense," and no conservative will ever argue with you about that, right? Of course. If a if a cop's trying to talk to someone and the dude choke slams him and starts punching him, that cop is justified in doing you know whatever he wants to do, right. lethal For force. Sure. But if it's a Republican congressperson and a reporter. Well, then it's like, hey, man, just be a man about it. You know, sometimes you're just going to yeah. get punched as a reporter, man. Why don't you, just you try deal. not being a cuck all the time? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, the double standard is is completely ridiculous. Look at who they elected president and who he admires. You know, strong men and displays of physical prowess and masculinity and machismo. And basically, if you, if you can't right. take it, then you've already lost in their eyes because you didn't stand up for yourself or you you weren't able to take the punch or or shake hands hard yeah right Right. he really shot himself in the foot again on that one because trump is now known by world leaders as having these ridiculously aggressive handshakes yeah so now world leaders like france Mm. are just coming in being like all right it's not really like a handshake it's more of like an arm wrestling event (laughs) and it doesn't take much to to crush a 70 year old man i mean trump really shouldn't have started this game if he wasn't ready to play at the top levels i didn't see that video though with the handshake from Macron, did anyone see that? I mean, I, I saw really... the stills of it where Macron obviously just has this death grip on his hand, and Trump is visibly wincing. He's like trying to smile, but you can tell his hand is just getting demolished. You know, if I was a leader meeting right. Trump, I would have one of those like clown hand buzzer things that you, know, <laughs> you, you could zap somebody, or like the ones in the cereal box where it's just like, whoa, whoa, that hit him with some spritzer water or something. <laughs> 
yeah, get a little Trump squirting flower on your, on your lapel. Right. Three stooges. <laughs> his, his goal was literally to, I think he thought like, yeah, if I can just like literally strong arm my way into just crushing these people's hands when I meet them, then that just translates into success yeah. in global politics. Then I no mean, one's then no one's going to notice that I was using a golf cart while the rest of the G7 were all right. walking around town. <laughs> yeah. Which, there's pictures, there's not video. I'm so sad that there's not video, you know, of this golf cart rolling around. I hope somebody has some video somewhere, because that's just the best mental image. <laughs> well, you... That's the masculinity and the strength and the stamina. You know Trump, he's the healthiest president to ever serve. Well, I mean, oh, people yeah. have been making these jokes about how he's basically a retiree um, ever since he got elected. But now it's like, it, is there a single thing that a retiree does that Trump hasn't done in some ho- high-profile way? You know, I mean, he spends all of his time in Florida um, playing golf, and now he's actually riding around in golf carts instead of walking places. I mean, I guess he's just used to that. I mean, I would have thought the golf would have kept him, you know, in, in a little bit better shape that he'd be able to walk 700 yards. But I guess when you're playing on the Trump links over there, you're not walking. You're just hitting that card up just like, every say. second you get. Well, all the pictures where you see him on his feet, it's like him climbing out of a sand trap or something like that. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess I always just assumed he was walking, but no, he's just playing the whole terribly. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we should close this out. I did want to say this. So one of the things that all these crazy racist incidents have been making me think of is that this talking point you hear a lot from conservatives is that hate crimes are meaningless. There's no such thing as a hate crime. There's just crimes. Doesn't matter. You know, it's racist to think that the race of people comes becomes a factor when crimes are happening to them. Um, It's just racist to think that. Okay. But... Yeah, I mean, the reason that it's important to distinguish between crimes and hate crimes is that in a kind of a normal crime, a lot of times, if you're getting murdered by someone, you know each other, probably, right? Or, you know, something's going on. If you get into a bar fight with someone and you get murdered, maybe you shouldn't have been in a bar fight with that person. Um, you know, <laughs> you like there's some sort of exchange, there's probably. some sort of beef or personal relationship going on with a hate crime. There's literally nothing you could have done to avoid that crime. You're totally yeah. you're just minding your own business, sitting on a subway and all of a sudden racists are, are trying to attack you. Yeah, right. simply simply being who you simply are existing is right. enough for them to have you know brought you into this this violent episode. And to me, that's why it's it's more heinous, and that's why it's important to track it as a simple crime, right? These are not crimes of passion where it's like, oh, you caught your spouse cheating on you and you murdered someone in a fit of rage or whatever. It's right. like, no, you, you are murdering people simply because they're existing and you don't want them to exist. Yeah. And that's more heinous than other types of crimes of passion and, and things like that. Yeah, well said. Someone goes in, commits an armed robbery at a convenience store, and clerk gets killed or someone gets killed it wasn't like a specific target because of the person's racial identity i mean it could end up being that if they were screaming out Mm -hmm. racial epithets and stuff like that but it's not i mean there's so many crimes where it's just like i mean if you steal stuff from the grocery store that shouldn't be on the same level of crime of you know beating someone up for being a different race than you i mean right and i think it's also important to track these instances to see Hey, are are we seeing more of these, right? Is this, this is an important thing to track. And I think a lot of conservatives by saying like, oh, hate crimes aren't real. 
oh, it's yeah. just another way of saying like we shouldn't even keep track of what race people are yeah. when crimes happen to them right. because that's irrelevant to crimes. Um, but it's like, hey, if there's like a big spike in these crimes, I'd like to know. I'd like the police to know. You know, yeah. I'd like the our elected officials to know. I'd like a lot more data about that. In fact, one of the issues with police shootings is that there's not like a systematic uh, national database of like police shootings. So yeah, right. they can oftentimes be uh, underreported, especially when they don't result in someone's death. If, if it's a shooting that doesn't kill someone, right. it may not even get reported in the same way. It's also a remarkable position to take for people who are, you know, fans of Trump's lunatic idea of having this database of crimes committed by uh, illegal immigrants. You know, I mean, that's that's exactly the same kind of thing that they're talking about. It just it disfavors the people that they don't like. So they're in favor of it. Right. Illegal immigrants who, on average, commit far fewer crimes right. than than U.S. citizens per, per capita or whatever. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Generally well, because they don't want to get deported, so they try not to do so many crimes. Mm-hmm. They try exactly. to stay under the radar. Or they have well, a friend or a family member who might be at risk of, of deportation or something like that. Well, what, out of, like, 40 decades of refugees coming to the United States, like, millions of refugees, I mean, there's next to no evidence that refugees are coming here and then committing crimes. Right. right. Yeah, another thing about that uh, Congressman Gianforte uh, assault is that if this dude was an illegal immigrant, that he'd be deported right now. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's getting elected to serve in Congress. <laughs> Hey, you know, money talks. <laughs> so well, I look forward to his court appearance. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a rip roll looking good time. Oh, <laughs> if he didn't like a microphone getting stuck in his face when the CBO score came out, just wait until his after Dude, his court. He's not appearance. gonna have a court appearance. I mean, it's misdemeanor assault. Can't you just like pay your ticket and be on your way for a misdemeanor? I mean, well, I think I, I think I he'll have to he show up. He'll have to show up anyway because I, I think uh, I think I heard that right it carries some several hundred dollar fine and then a, a possible six months in jail uh, oh, or or, or up sure. to six months in jail. But I mean that's never going to happen. Obviously, that's only if you don't apologize and he clearly did. I hope he doesn't get <laughs> I hope he doesn't get a, a Mexican judge or something that's going to be biased against Trump. You know it. Yeah, <laughs> dude, absolutely. One of those journalist judges. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> And what yeah, you and we'll about talk it. to you about that later. Yeah, but there's not going to be time. I'm just curious if you okay, have speak with right Shane, now. please. But you don't have to. Just... tired of you guys. The you last guy that came in here, you did the same thing. Get the hell out of here. Jesus. Get the hell out of here. The last guy did the same thing. You were the guardian? Yes, and you just broke my glasses. You the last guy did the same damn thing. You just body slammed me and broke my glasses. Get the hell out of here. You'd like me to get the hot up here, I'd also like to call the police. Can I get you guys' names? Hey, you gotta leave. He just body slammed me. You gotta leave. What was the convention again that you went to? Was it like a science fiction type of thing or uh, a gamer convention? Yeah, no, I mean, there was some there was some science fiction involved, but I was at the Board Game Geek uh, Spring 2017 convention here in... Uh, Dallas Fort Worth. We were up at the Hyatt at the DFW airport. Um, so it was it was just a convention for people who like board games and wanted to get together and play board games, and it was a ton of fun. Oh, cool! Was there any celebrities? Nobody. Uh, yeah, not not anyone outside of board gaming. I mean, there were definitely some people there who were known 
among that crowd, okay. like game designers, and I had a, a really nice conversation um, with the the with two of the representatives from uh, Spiel de Jahres, who are the German um, like game of the year awards. Um, it's like the basically Oscars they, of board gaming. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's totally the the Grammys of board gaming. Um, basically, <laughs> whoa, if, you, whoa. if you get if you get if you get one of these uh, awards from them, you can go from selling, you know, like 200 copies of your board game to 10,000. Like, wow. Overnight. So, okay. Um, they were, they were really nice guys too. I, I talked to them. I got a little, a little piece of audio uh, with them and, and some other, con- some other convention attendees that uh, I'll play at the end of the segment. Oh, cool. Um, but they were super friendly guys and just, talked about what they were doing and then they wanted to know the name of the podcast and i didn't have any of my little flyers on me um so they handed me a they had a like a spiel de yara's um scoring pad Mm -hmm. and a pen that they handed me to write down our information and then gave it to them they're like oh you should keep that pad oh you should keep the pen too actually here take all this stuff and they handed me like you know five or six of these pens and yeah so awesome super friendly guys um yeah it was a great time uh I was up there also with uh, Pat Ross, mm-hmm. our our returning champion. Uh, Pat Ross and his son uh, were in town for the convention, and a couple of friends of theirs also. Cool. So, so this went better than the convention where the Green Power Ranger was almost assassinated, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which at first I was like, is that are th- are these all the same thing? I mean, I'm hearing a lot of the word convention this weekend, so I was just right. blurring them all together. <laughs> so yeah, what convention was that? A guy was trying to get in with with a gun or a bunch of guns. He was calling himself the Punisher, and said that he was like on a on a crusade to take out um, like corrupt cops and, and the Green Power Ranger. You know the two and the Green Power right. Ranger. I mean, apparently. it all makes sense. You know when you when you think about it. I mean, the, the Green Power Ranger is controlling the evil cops. I don't know if you guys knew that. But, it makes sense. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that that was pretty crazy. Uh, and it is one of those things about uh, you know they had these uh, these cosplay concert uh, these cosplay events where it can be sometimes a risk where people are bringing in very realistic looking you know, Props, weapons and costumes, things, stuff, and yeah. it's it's hard to say, you know, who who's checking, you know, to be like, is this a real gun or sword, or is this like a costume right. gun or sword? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be pretty uh pretty dicey sometimes if a, if a crazy person is trying to get in there and do that stuff, but. Um, you know, props on the Green Power Ranger guy. I mean, he came out and said like, "Hey, you know, no big deal." But he also said like, "I'm not going to." Because he used to like sign like Power Ranger swords and stuff. He was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to like ever sign swords or knives or anything again. Like, don't please yeah. don't bring me swords or knives. Yeah, right. Um, How about a glossy should... two by or eight by eleven? <laughs> right. Know. I'm sure he'll charge you like a hundred dollars for one of those. Uh, that dude, you should look him up because he's insane now. He's an MMA fighter now, and he has a line of MMA clothing uh, for Jesus called Jesus Didn't Tap. Oh, jeez. Um, about how Jesus didn't tap out and he was fighting for your soul or whatever, you know, to the end. Um, and I just love that this dude thinks that the Green Power Ranger thinks that Jesus would be all about his MMA career and, and supporting him. Because yeah. if there's one thing I know about Jesus, he's he just loved it when, like, dudes would get into gladiatorial combat. Also, you know, not to be rude, but, I mean, Jesus totally 
did tap out. I was going to say like, crucifixion was... is a tap in my in my book, but I'm not the <laughs> yeah, referee. So. Kind of the point of the story, right? Yeah. I mean, in order to be resurrected, you had to tap out. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no shenanigans like that at the board game convention. In fact, one of the things that I really took away from it was that, you know, it's kind of hard to go wrong with a group of people who want to show up for a weekend meet new people, try new things, and just have fun, you know? And I ended up talking to a whole bunch of different convention goers and, you know, step outside for a cigarette and I ended up making a couple of friends. But it was kind of cool that since everybody started from, you know, a similar starting place, which was just, I'm here to have fun and meet new people and try new things, even if conversations turned toward uh, politics or religion or anything like that, um, it was still really respectful and genial, and I, I ended up uh, making, you know, good temporary friends with a couple of different people who sit on the political spectrum, you know, way far away from me, um, but we were able to actually have an exchange of ideas and, you know, float some float some policy proposals to them that, uh, you know, if, if they were getting attacked for their views, they would never hear, so that was really cool. Cool. <clears throat> Yeah, board games are really cool because it allows you to have a you know a get together where you're not just hanging out talking, but you are hanging out talking. Mm-hmm. But there's a little more of a structured element to it, um, which is one of the things that I really like about playing D and D, which is is very similar because mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a great excuse to hang out and and talk um, and have fun. And yeah, a lot of board games can do that as well. Um, yeah, and you don't even have to go. I mean, there's these conventions are like they happen all over the time. There's uh, one in Omaha called PretzCon, uh, that's pretty mm. cool. Um, mm-hmm. My brother Andrew works at uh, this board game bar called Spielbound, uh, where it's like it's a gaming convention in there every day. I mean, they have like a huge game library with just hundreds and hundreds of games. Um, mm. So yeah, if you have never checked out an event like that, it's a it's a ton of fun. And if you yeah. even if you don't know the games, like the people there will be happy to teach you they would oh, love yeah. to do oh yeah yeah absolutely in fact uh when i when i first walked in um i noticed these flags sticking up off of tables where people would sit down with a game you know and maybe it was a, a four-player game or something and there were only two people there or three there were these flags that you could put up that just said player needed and people just kind of wandering around the convention who weren't already involved in a game you know they'd get buttonholed and say like hey have you ever played this one come and play with it we're you know we're just learning this one um that was the the first game that i played uh pat and i got adrenaline out which is a board game version of a first person shooter so you're moving a guy around a map and you can pick up weapons and power-ups and stuff and the weapons all do damage you know depending on line of sight and how close you are to the other player and stuff but we ended up grabbing just two random dudes to sit down and play that one with us and that was a ton of fun um and then one of the i thought one of the funnest activities we did was this game called captain sonar which i'm just gonna play a a short piece of audio from our game and then explain it so this is about about a minute long Right, so you have an idea. Was a Captain H10. Yeah. That was a completeness. Captain H10. I think they're in H10. H10. Okay. Um, uh, hold on. Move one more, and then we can fire. We have uh, silent running available. Silent running is. Uh, we're going yeah, north. Silent running is what now available. do you need? And we're firing a I torpedo. Need... Firing a torpedo H10. Uh, that's a uh, direct hit. To north. Sorry, you need an east to north. I need two okay. east. 
Let's go. Uh, right, you haven't moved, right? After last. No. Okay. Uh, we're going east, north. We're going north. North, east. Satellite and North one more time. No, you need a west. And an east. Okay, J8. All right, torpedo at J8. That's it. I don't know where I lost them. Where are y'all? What's your location? Okay, so Captain Sonar is basically battleship, um, except instead of being a turn-based thing between two people, it's in real time, for one thing, and then you've got a crew of four people on either side of this screen. So you've got your captain who's moving your submarine around and he's calling out to the to the crew where we're going um you've got an engineer who's tracking your damage as you move around your your systems take damage and there there are ways to kind of wipe out uh damage to your ship and then you've got a weapons person who's you know they're responsible for like powering up torpedoes and drones and stuff like that and they're calling back to the captain, you know, we've got torpedoes ready. And then you've got a comms officer who's sitting there with a map with this uh, piece of plastic over it. So they're mapping out the the directions that the other team's captain is calling out. And you're making this line on your map that you can then, like, slide around on the map to see where it fits. Because there are, you know, islands and stuff around. So, you know, the longer somebody travels, the the more obvious it is where they could be. Because, you know, if they were here then they'd run into an island at some point um so that was that was a ton of fun we had two people that we'd never met before join us for that um just kind of assembled a team and we had six and you could play it with six but like no let's go for it so you know walked around with a player needed flag and uh picked up these two these two other folks who both ended up being great to have on our teams that's awesome it kind of reminds me of like uh like a like a Star Trek like bridge battle or something like that, <laughs> right? Where you're like helmsman, you know, take us at point five, you know. And actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I was really sad that I didn't get any audio from this, but there's another game that we played called Artemis, which was exactly that. It was basically the bridge of you know like the Starship Starship Enterprise. Um, you had a big video heads up display so everyone could see what's going on you know, like, out the out the view screen. You could switch back and forth to the map. And then everybody else, you know, six people are sitting at these uh, computer consoles that all had different jobs. So I was the science officer on that one, so I could do space scans, and, you know, I see an item out there, and I could do, a like, a specific scan. So I'm yelling back to our captain, you know, Captain, we've got a, an enemy battlecruiser incoming, like, and their shields are huge, like way, way too much for us. Um, so he calls over to navigation and says, okay, Nav, get us out of here. Like engineering, how are we doing on, you know, shields and weapons and stuff? And that was that was a ton of fun. We just didn't have enough time to really get into it. But once everybody settled into their roles, it was like, man, I could play this for hours. The, you know, just flying around space and, you know, working together as a team. That was a lot of, that was a lot of fun too. That's awesome. There's a, actually a VR game coming out called like Star Trek Bridge Commander or something where it's a, like a multiplayer VR game where you're right. like a bridge crew or whatever. I think it's like four people, um, which sounds super awesome, except then you realize you have to literally have like four VR headsets. <laughs> so oh, it's like yeah, a game right. that is almost impossible to play and will cost well over like a thousand dollars. <laughs> but man it sounds really cool yeah well i would love it if uh if artemis would get commercially released maybe it is i haven't looked for it but you know because that's one that you could play with a bunch of people in in a room 
um, all on their own computers or easily, easily play it, you know, online and, you know, just be piloting around. And it would be particularly cool if they could make it, you know, uh, multiplayer online where, you know, it's your ship versus other ships or, um, you know, something like Eve or, or something like that where you can form alliances and um, conquer space together. Yeah. Have you guys ever played um, the app called Space Team? No. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. So it's a it's an app that you can download. I think it's free. It, maybe it's like a dollar or something. But uh, it's a really funny game where it's local multiplayer. So your phones have to like Bluetooth together. Um, and what it is is it gives you like a randomized instrument panel. But the, the buttons and then there's a space where it tells you it gives you like commands where it's like press this. Uh, and then there's like a countdown. But the commands that it gives you are for other people's buttons. And so you're, and it's all at the same time. So everyone's just getting them all at the same time. So everyone's just screaming at each other, just like <laughs> press set the set the flamger to twelve. I set, who's got the flamger? You know, while they're screaming like, you know, switch the warp core to on, switch it on. That sounds it's right. so too stressful. Oh, dude, it's the best. It yeah. That sounds hilarious. It is. It is hysterical. And yeah, it's all techno babble, randomized stuff. So you end up just saying the most ridiculous phrases oh, I'm sure. <laughs> that sounds like fun yeah I, I had a lot of fun with these um co-op games that you know i i don't think that a lot of people are re- really even familiar with that genre of a board game where it's basically you against the board or you and a, a group of people who are all playing on the same team we played one called uh, mechs versus minions which was kind of cool you've got your four big you know, mechanical creatures down at the end, and those are who the players are um, navigating. And then there are just these waves of little goblin dudes who are trying to do damage to you. And you're trying to work together as a team to move a thing down the field to a certain spot. Uh, but the the funny thing about it was the mechs have to be programmed. So you'd pick these cards that were like, you know, one of them would say, you know, move forward one or two spaces. One of them was like, turn right. One of them was, you know, shoot this weapon. And so you're trying to slot them into uh, different places to, to make it so your mech, you know, behaves the way you need it to, to actually work together as a team. So the team's like kind of scrambling to figure out, you know, who needs what move right now because, you know, the, the selection phase is timed. Um, and then as your mechs take damage, it introduces glitches. So it'll, you know, maybe it'll be like a one-time thing where, you know, you have to step backward to, or one of them will be, you know, as soon as you've completed this action, you also have to turn 90 degrees or something like that. Um, What was really funny in that round was uh, two of our players, uh, Pat and uh, another fellow named Lewis, both got this uh, permanent glitch that was the next word you say is the only word that you can say until you fix this glitch. So I've got a I've got a piece of audio to play for that too. <laughs> okay, so we're playing mechs versus minions. Lewis just took damage on his mech that meant that the next word that he said is the only word he can say until he fixes the damage. Lewis, are you enjoying this game? No. <laughs> well, I mean that's too bad. Uh, I, I, do you think we're going to be able to win this? No. (laughs) Um, Is there anything that we can do to help you get out of this pickle? No. (laughs) Okay, so basically what we ended up with was Lewis could only say the word no 
for the rest of the game, Ooh, and Pat that's, that's and Pat helpful. could only say, yeah, and Pat could only say, help. <laughs> so that was that was ridiculous. We were playing with Pat's son Sam also, so Sam and I could communicate normally, but from you know the other end of the table, it was just no and help. Just and... full on, I am Groot. Just... <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, one of the classic uh, co-op board games is like a uh, uh, Forbidden Island, I think it's called. Um, yep. Which is, I, I think, one of the the classic, you know, co-op ones where you're working together to like collect these artifacts mm-hmm. as like different mm-hmm. parts of the island are like sinking into the sea. Um, right. But yeah, it's really fun. I really like those games too because sometimes sometimes it can be tough in a board game, competitive board game, which so many of them are, where it's you know players versus each other. Right. And you know, their backstabbing is happening, you know, people mm-hmm. are breaking alliances. That's the best uh, reality board games. It can games. be very fraught sometimes. <laughs> so sometimes it's nice to have one where everyone's working together and it's like you all succeed together or you all fail together, but you're not like mm-hmm. screwing other people over. Um, yeah. <laughs> like Pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what else? Uh, played Secret Hitler finally for the first time. That's a blast. Yeah. Uh, Fun, fun party game, kind of like uh, like playing Mafia or Werewolf or something like that, where mm-hmm. you know there's the, everybody's got different secret objectives, and they're you know like the fascists know who the other fascists are, but the liberals don't know who the fascists are, and you're trying to root out you know who's a fascist and who's a Hitler um, before the fascists completely take over the government. So that one was a blast. Played a couple of other cool ones. Uh, Pat and I played a game called Cold War, which is a a card game where it's sort of like playing blackjack, but it's got a Cold War theme. So I was playing as the the KGB, obviously the you know took the socialist route. Um, <laughs> right. Pat was playing as the Typical. as the CIA, and I utterly wrecked him. Um, <laughs> you know, so- socialism won the day, just as the young will Good. always defeat the old. So that was fun. Um, a, a couple of other kind of cool competitive games, like quicker ones, Fabled Fruit and Evolution, which are both um, kind of like building your deck sort of games, and uh, uh, one called Glux, which was great. An abstract game where you're just trying to kind of capture territory, and there are different rules for how you can place your um, you know circles on this board and trying to take over these rooms and get scored that way. So yeah, all in all, a great time. I'm really glad. Pat hit me up to see if I wanted to go to this convention, and definitely something I'd, I'd go back to. And at the end of this segment, I've got um, a little bit more audio that I'll play. That's just you know some people that I spoke to at the convention, um, people from really all walks of life. You know, there were people exhibiting their new games or trying out prototypes of games or just there to have fun and um, seeing people that they had met at the last convention. So yeah, great great weekend. I'm exhausted. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, dude, that sounds like a really full uh, weekend of, of nonstop action. You, that must have been oh, yeah. exhausting. For sure. Well, yeah, uh, just mentally exhausting, because every hour or so you're learning a brand new set of rules, a brand new objective, and um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was good for my brain to do that, but yeah, it, it tired me out. Plus, you know, like, the game library closed at midnight, but they didn't kick you out, so we played until easily 1 or one thirty every night, and then you're back in there in the morning, so, yeah, it's a really good time. Awesome. Well, we should take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with a high note for everyone.
name is Marcus Holmes. I'm from Mamble, Texas, which is just south of Houston. This is my third year coming to BGG Con Spring. Uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, board game con, played a lot of good games, met a lot of good people. Okay, my name my name is Guido Heinecke. I'm the general manager of the Jury Spiel des Jahres. So I'm no technically I'm not judging the games, but I'm um, in charge of the organization. So we're doing the licensing agreements, organize events and so on, and support our, our judges. But he, you were a judge. I've been a judge yeah. for uh, four years. Uh, before. Yeah. Which do you prefer, uh, running it or judging? <laughs> uh, both is nice, but um, I miss being a judge, to be honest. Okay. Uh, my name is Johnny Hinkle. Uh, I'm a co-creator for the game Battle for the Universe. Um, we are here demoing our game so that we can launch on Kickstarter. Awesome. That's I'm, I'm Shadow. I'm his band of white, basically. Okay. So <laughs> I kind of help out. Shane. And we should say that Shadow also has a pretty amazing uh, Harley Quinn outfit on right now. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Battle for the Universe is a superhero comic-themed game. So okay. Hi, I'm Jessica Hughes. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm representing Mayday Games. Uh, my name is John Roberts. I'm from Arlington, Texas. And I've been playing quite a few games, mostly played, just played a party game called Secret Killer that was awesome. I had three fascist policies, I had no choice. Yeah, hi, uh, my name's Steve Luke, uh, from Carrollton, <laughs> Texas, and uh, basically come to BGG every every chance we get, because we get games that we looked at, but do we want to drop 60 bucks on it? No, let's try playing it from the library first. Kimberly Wilson, Bebert, and the Convention's very inclusive, very open, we're very relaxed. Kids getting around and being able to play this game or that game of various ages is very is very it's very workable. start over and be like, oh, yo, Chuck, for sure. the high note, I heard you recently <laughs> went to Colorado, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Go ahead, whoever wants to do that. I think we just did. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man, I went to Colorado. My partner, John, and I were going up there to watch a soccer game and just kind of hang out just I'll outside. I'll be up there What's up? next week, so oh, yeah. I sent you as my like advanced scouting party. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, give me the lay of the land, man. What you, can I expect? D you're going to be going to Estes Park, right? Is that right? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Well, we went to Estes Park on Sunday, and that was amazing. It is pretty cool. We walked around Bear Lake up there, and, you know, there's a lot of good hiking going on. Yeah, yeah. lots of bears. Lots of mountains. <laughs> bears, I mean, it's it's just bears beautiful. constantly. Uh, I didn't see any bears. There's a lot of animal shit that was the huge, so it could be bears. Yeah, but yeah. we saw a lot of moose, elk, or whatever. Cool, beautiful time. And we of went year to, to be a soccer game. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I heard it was like cold and snowy. It was well the, when we the got the, it was rainy. We got into Denver on Saturday, and it was cold and rainy. And then on Sunday, I mean. There was snow on the trails that we were on and everything, and there were some roads that you couldn't get through on because they were they were all snowed in and stuff. Dang. So 
yeah, but it was pretty cool. It was amazing to be out there. There were cyclists everywhere. Boulder, I love driving through that town. As far as college towns go, mm-hmm. I think that's the uh, best looking one. <laughs> so, is Boulder the one that has the rule that you can only uh, you can only have your sign for your like restaurant or whatever a couple of feet off the ground? I'm not sure. Okay, I, I don't remember yeah, looking at that. That um, is. That is so nice. I would love for more cities to do that, please, because yeah. the signs get completely ridiculous. Yeah, sometimes. but almost every roof is like solar panels out there. Oh, sure. I mean, every other roof. It's amazing how efficient they they try to make the city. Everything out there seems to be expensive, but there's some good Memorial Day sales, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, naturally had to uh check out what denver's famous for <laughs> yeah and, uh, uh the the Rock colorado rocky street <laughs> yeah you know absolutely absolutely john denver was talking about it before it really hit that's right hit, hit <laughs> it's it's stride you know rocky mountain So, so how did you how did you find the Rocky Mountain High out there? Oh, you know, it's it's pretty much it's great. I mean, it's the reason why that city is pretty much past capacity right now. <laughs> you know, bulging right. It's the reason seams. why they don't have a like horrible budget crisis in their state, unlike mm-hmm. a lot of the Midwest states. Yeah. Hint, hint, Kansas. Right. Hint, hint Nebraska. Hint, hint, exactly. Texas. Yep. It felt like absolute freedom out there, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So the hotel we were staying at, though, was a no-smoking hotel. Uh. <laughs> so I felt, I was like walking around, and then I was like, well, shit, you know. Well, that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's legal to to buy marijuana, but, but you can't smoke it in public. Right. You can't smoke it in a bar. You can't like have people were like, we'll have like a marijuana bar or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, some, I guess, people are trying to get around it doing, like, private clubs, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. even that's, like, legally questionable, yeah. so mm-hmm. it really makes it almost impossible as a tourist, other than being like, I guess I'll just sit in my car in the parking lot <laughs> the holiday in. Yeah, exactly right. where you want people smoking weed, like, right before they drive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know, uh, I think around. Oregon, Oregon has a piece of legislation they're working, Oregon or Washington, in order to... Um, make it so that like bars and restaurants can get a license to allow um, marijuana smoking like on a patio or in a special room or something like that. Oh, for sure. I mean, if they're gonna let people smoke cigarettes like outside the door of the hotel, like yeah, why not? Like it's really not functionally different. Like you know, you you keep it your yeah. berth, you keep a wide berth, you put it away from the entrances and exits and stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many places now have accommodated smoking for literally decades that oh, yeah. really isn't that big of a change, but people right. would freak out probably. Yeah. Oh, of course. That's when they were like, you know, my children's air is important right. to me. I mean, <laughs> Where you know how people uh, are always, they would just be like blowing blunt smoke in babies' faces. <laughs> you, know those, you know those smokers, you know, you know how they are. Jeff Sessions oh, just got a shudder down his spine, and he has no idea why. <laughs> Seriously, right? 
Jeff Sessions has a map of Colorado as like a dartboard <laughs> in his office, right. you know. So just, uh, Jeff Sessions goes a, to the shooting range. It's just a range. piece of paper. It's a square. Jeff Sessions yeah. goes to the shooting range and then jokes as a journalist that he's actually just shooting at the state of Colorado. <laughs> right. Right in the middle. Uh, but yeah. uh, one, I guess one of the things that Jeff Sessions loves to say, and all these crazy people do, is like, you don't understand, folks. Uh, the marijuanas of today are far more dangerous than <laughs> the marijuanas that you remember from your carefree youth right in the summer of love mm. you know this is you know scientists yeah and it's technotronic it's hydrophonic yeah. right. it's grease lightning <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean he's like this wasn't this yeah, isn't that same marijuana that you used to this ain't that same marijuana that your grandparents enjoyed while beating <laughs> up some black people you know that were marching in the streets right. on the bridge this is the kind of marijuana where you smoke it and you'll think like maybe black people are okay maybe <laughs> all life is one He's... it's the real dangerous kind you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've got to do a quick note on impressions though because uh, a couple episodes ago i was teasing brendan because his impression of um, like EU regulators sounded like Jeff Sessions, but now <laughs> got, his impression I got those two of mixed up, yeah, as now, many people do. now your impression of Jeff Sessions sounds like Rand Paul. So uh, you know, I, I'm, just... I'm looking forward to finding out who you sound like if you ever have a chance to impersonate <laughs> Rand Paul. <laughs> yeah, I'm just doing one impression ahead. When I do Rand Paul, it's gonna be my new Gingrich. I'm just keeping you one one ahead of the game. It's like a puzzle, you guys. Right. <laughs> if you guys are listening closely to every episode. You can figure it out. Right. Connect the dots with yarn <laughs> and index cards on your wall, right? And you'll receive a message. But yeah, is Jeff Sessions, uh, you know, marketing for the weed industry a- accurate? Where he's like, it's the, it's so good, you guys. You guys have to try it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he's like, man, this stuff is so good. The KKK smoked it. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all of a sudden, all the alt right dudes are out there. Like, what? Yeah, I think it's amazing that Jeff Sessions thinks that it's going to scare people away to have him talk about how powerful it is and how bad it is because anybody who wants to smoke weed probably doesn't think that much of Jeff Sessions anyway. You know, so they're like, wait, like, Keebler Elf hates it and it's super strong like we're, we're going we're, we're taking a trip to colorado right now right well some british guy just wrote an article trying to link marijuana with terrorism in europe huh and yeah. oh i do remember that where they were like what's the one thing that all these murderers have in common or whatever like right. they all tried marijuana one time <laughs> it's like oh well so of so of a lot of people right well, and that's, yeah. that just goes back to the whole, um, you know, like, reefer madness thing, uh, you know, like, the 20s through the 40s where they're trying to link marijuana to violent behavior. It's it's the same old, like, racist playbook, you know. Back then it was talking about, you know, the loco weed like makes makes Mexicans crazy, makes them kill people, or, you know, look at these, uh, like, black jazz musicians who are free and loose with your women after they smoke the, right. the but- evil marijuana. The weird thing is, though, I could totally see Jeff Sessions here in, like, the situation with that Portland multiple stabbing or whatever. This guy is definitely going to be drug tested because, well, I think that's, like, the thing now, you know? Yeah. But say it comes back, I mean, Oregon is a legal state, right? So, you know, there's a good chance that that's going to be in this dude's system. And I could see Jeff Sessions' department politicizing that. Oh, absolutely. You know? 
this marijuana might cause racism, you know, (laughs) so that's why we've got to be aggressively, Mm. you know, harassing marijuana users. I don't like racism. That's a good point. Right, right, exactly. I think we just need to counter program, though, and say, like, all of these white supremacist attacks happened after Jeff Sessions got confirmed as attorney general. So, you know, what's the correlation there? Right. But but Denver is great. It was the one thing to make you forget about all that Jared Kushner news, <laughs> all these crazy attacks that happen all the time. It, it was good. Wait, Kushner. Kush. Mm. The Kush. See, <laughs> someone needs to come up with right. a strain that is part soviet or like you know like <laughs> or whatever, yeah. you know the kind that owes a billion dollars in loans or whatever right like, yeah it's uh, half chinese half russian yeah you 100% only percent american you only yeah, sell 100% it percent slumlord you only sell it to guys who literally wake up every morning in a suit already dude right. oh dude it's it the plant <laughs> actually is in a brooks brothers suit and tactical vest <laughs> <laughs> In the Middle East, the Kush, <laughs> the Afghan Kush, yeah, dude. Oh, totally. Oh my God. Well, how did we miss that opportunity? Why wasn't anyone calling him? You know what? Why wasn't there Afghan Kush. hashtag Afghan Kush while he was over there? Dude, it's up to us. If not us, who? If not now, right? When? All right, Jared. After Jared Kushner, I know that you listen to the show, so you know the next time you go over there, give us the heads up, and we'll we'll get this going. We can help reform yeah. your your public image before the trial. In the meantime, we dub the hashtag Afghan Kush. <laughs> so. But yeah, I feel like after he gets uh, like fired from the White House for all of his sh- shady deals, getting investigated by the FBI, right? Shady deals in Russia and China. I mean, that's that's impressive. Yep, dude, um, he's cover- he's covering the tour, the communist tour. He needs to get like Havana <laughs> on it and stuff, you oh, know, yeah. Cuba. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I feel like he's gonna have a lot of time after after that to start up his like marijuana entrepreneurship or whatever. Maybe yeah. he'll blame marijuana. He'll be like, it's because I smoked the marijuana when he was out skiing in Aspen. Right. You know? Oh, shit. And he'll be like, I was, I loved America until I smoked out in Colorado, and then I just had to, <laughs> I had to, you know. Turn traitor on Russia and China, so don't smoke, kids. Yep, right. and also it's this dangerous. is why you shouldn't believe any leftists when they talk about economics, because look at what socialism did to me. <laughs> Seriously. They're always playing the long game, man. <laughs> did you know that dude, sidebar, um, did you know that that dude was registered Democrat? Kushner? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Trump, so was Trump, probably. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, for sure. For well, Trump sure. said that he had voted Democrat for a long time. Have you guys ever seen the video? I think it was from 94 or 92. They tried to follow Trump to to go vote uh-huh. in New York. And he went to like five different polling places. And, and he wasn't registered. He wasn't registered. <laughs> and so, he didn't even know where he was supposed yeah, to go. He was like, I think it's over here. And they're like, no, you're not on the list. And he was like, oh, is there another one? And they're like, yeah, you can go try this other one over here. He's like, it's over, it's over here for sure. And then they go and they're like, nope, you're not on the Maybe try oh, this third one, you know, and dude. they went to like four different ones and he was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just fill out a provisional ballot. Or whatever. <laughs> wow. What a turnaround, man. Yeah. I mean, if you know people are going to follow Started from you... the bottom, now we're here, baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> man. And he still probably doesn't know where to go vote now. He's so. probably not even, he probably didn't even vote in the last election. <laughs> well, he was looking off Melania's sheet. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Although that was, oh, last... I do remember he went and he got like booed or whatever, where 
everybody had been waiting in line for hours and they just walked him down the hallway mm-hmm. or whatever. Right in front of everyone. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And then he's double checking Melania's ballot to make sure that she did in fact vote for him. <laughs> right. He tr- she tried to he tried to reach out and, and grab it and she was like, Whoosh! Oh, <laughs> just slapped it away. You know how dude, she does. There's been a lot of that tension lately, so <laughs> so I guess that was we started on a high note and ended on a tense note, you know, domestic <laughs> tense note. So, hooray! That's the yeah, that's the anxiety <laughs> setting in um, yeah. from the from the marijuana talk. Oh man! Right, right. <laughs> man. Well, we better just wrap this up before they're all out to get us. So. <laughs> well, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in, and you know, follow us at liquid underscore flannel like us on itunes and share us on soundcloud and itunes and follow us individually you can find me at shaggy to trope brendan where can they find you i'm at brendan williams with one l and matt where are you at i'm at matt the great with a w and uh for any of the folks that i spoke to at bgg con um thanks for talking to me and i hope i didn't lead you astray about what the show was going to be like when you listen to it but yeah it was it was fun getting to know you and gaming with you all weekend all right, false advertising, way to go. That's how, yeah. we, that's how we'd like to leave the mark. You told them the podcast was good, didn't you? you did. All right, thanks, everybody. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Yeah, so I was laughing about just this idea of a weed sommelier, you know, because like <laughs> people who people who train to, you know, taste wines and be able to tell, you know, what region they're from and, you know, what what palate it is and stuff, they just swish it around in their mouth and then spit it out into a cup. Um, where you can't do mm-hmm. that with weed, you ha- actually have to like inhale it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could imagine that just getting sloppier and sloppier as it goes on. Um, so somebody like going in for their, their sommelier test and by the end of it, like if they can form a complete sentence, that's how you get your, your license or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although they've done like, they've done like tests and stuff where if they put like, like food coloring in white wines, mm. it'll be like, Oh, this is a full bodied, uh, lush red or oh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, wow. and shit like that because it's not, it's all bullshit. You can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't really tell.